Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to episode 33 of Someone Who Isn't Me. My name is Daniel P. Carter and my guest on this one is the titan of the world of comics, Grant Morrison. He's written and created for both DC and Marvel, uh, working on legendary books like Batman and Superman and X-Men and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Animal Man and Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing and Fantastic Four and The Invisibles, among many others. His TV show Happy just concluded its second season on Netflix and he's currently working on an adaptation of The Invisibles, which we discuss in the podcast. He's got an MBE for services to film and literature. His dad was also an MBE, which is incredible, I think. Um, and his book, Super Gods, was a New York Times bestseller. His influence on culture and occulture is truly enormous. So when I first put my wish list together of guests who I'd want to come on swim, Grant was on there. It has taken a few near misses for our schedules to coincide. But when his wife, Kristen, emailed to say that they'd be in London and he'd be able to record the episode the day before his 60th birthday, which was also Brexit Day, I was super stoked. Uh, it was the first time I met them both. They were really cool and very chill. So by the time we actually started recording the episode, I think we got stuck into it straight away. And um, we spoke about magic where we find ourselves in this current point in time and space, comics a bit, and also the collaborative nature of writing for TV. And to be honest with you, I found the whole thing well inspiring and mind-blowing, and I hope that you do too. I think you will. Um, Grant's an incredible thinker. He's a creative whirlwind, and his list of works over his career to date is so vast, we barely touched on any of it, which I guess is kind of cool because there was a lot of other stuff to discuss. I actually cut a little bit out of the podcast where we spoke about one of the apocryphal stories that's part of Grant's history, I guess, um, because we felt like it was something that he'd been asked to talk about in depth several times already, and it would have been kind of treading the same ground. Um, but if you're interested, because it is amazing, uh, you should go and check out. There's a bunch of other podcasts he's done. There's a really good documentary, which you can find on Prime about him. Yeah, it's ace. It's all out there. I also want to give a little bit of background about the portrait I painted of him for the cover of this episode because regular listeners and subscribers will know that I make an oil painting of each guest that comes on the pod for the cover. And for this one, as it's episode number 33, which is a truly auspicious number um, that represents creativity and inspiration, and it's also a number that holds 
a lot of personal attachment for me. I've got a thing about threes and nines. I thought it deserved something special. So as you'll hear, we discuss the idea that reality is multifaceted and the way that we view things at any one time is exactly that. We're viewing it in one way at one point in time. Um, just one aspect of something that exists on multiple planes, which got me thinking about reality or matter, I guess, being represented by the platonic solids, which then led me to thinking about Kepler's drawings and what is known as Kepler's cosmic cup, um, which kind of represents all the platonic solids nesting within each other and their correspondence to celestial bodies as well. And then that sits within this kind of weird uh, goblet type thing. And as Grant discusses his first truly magical exploration being a working of the Bornless Ritual, um, which if you're interested in, is also known as Liber Samek or the Headless Rite. There's an amazing, uh, where could you look that up? Go and look up uh, in Gordon White's book, Chaos Protocols. There's a, there's a very um, succinct reading of the ritual. You can look it up online. But if you want to really get into it, there's a guy called Jake Stratton Kent who's written a really good dissertation, I guess. It's a short thing, but it's worth checking out if you're interested on the bornless ritual or headless rite, whatever you want to call it. So I figured that placing his head, as it's a symbol of the repository of ideas, inside the cosmic cup seemed kind of fitting. I also like the idea of like marrying the two things of like the feminine chalice with the masculine bald head because it reminded me of like this old Crowley self-portrait where he drew his bald head in a very phallic way. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the head in the cup. You know what I'm saying? Um, but to clarify, I am not calling him a dickhead. And no, I didn't mean any disrespect by decapitating him. He's one of the coolest people I've ever met. Um, yeah. So with that as a heads up, pardon the pun, please enjoy this conversation with Grant Morrison. I wanted to talk about comics, TV, art, creativity, life, and magic. Well, that's so pretty great, much, everything. Right? That's <laughs> that's pretty like everything. much everything that interests me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing I was thinking about was like recently... Can't we talk about metallurgy? <laughs> <laughs> we could do that at the end. Um, so something I've been thinking about, which it seems... Uh, I've been having a lot of synchronicities happen recently yeah. whilst thinking about doing this, which yeah. I always take as a good sign. No, absolutely. Always. Yeah, so the thing that I've been thinking about a lot and I wanted to discuss with you was that whole kind of the sort of liminal space that exists between what is real mm -hmm. and what isn't, you know, quote, yeah, yeah. real, and, and how now that we're currently in this sort of post-truth, everything, you know, no, fake news, that. it just seems like that membrane is getting way thinner now. No, it's not even thinner. It's collapsed. It's over. It's like we're already in the apocalypse. And what yeah. I love is that the the beautiful minds behind all the variant, you know, explanations of Kabbalah already said there will be an apocalypse. The 32nd path of the world, the, the universe, the apocalypse and the tarot. Yeah. And it basically, the idea is that it pulls the sphere of Malkuth, the purely material sphere which we inhabit when, yeah. you know, when particles and things die and entropy reigns. And the sphere of the imagination, which is yes, or the sphere of the moon, hmm. and they they said this all these years ago. There will come an apocalypse where the sphere of materiality is pulled up into the sphere of illusion. We're in it, and it could have, you know, to me, it's like 
you can date it back to Crowley, but it's like 9-11 was suddenly, we're watching a, a movie spectacle enacted in reality, and no yeah. one's recovered from that yet. And you know, it's, we, have, we have VR, we have AR, we have fake news, we have the entirety of our current human narrative is the collapse of illusion into reality where nothing makes sense, and, but, but magicians can thrive in that climate, I think. Yeah. But do you think that's been a deliberate coming about? Do you think people have been bringing that about? Yeah, I can, ne I, I can never put it past people <laughs> to be yeah. doing things like this. But I, you know, I think who who profits? Well, it's people like Donald Trump. It seems to be billionaires who are profiting. It's kind mm. of the, the Marquis decides 120 days of Sodom with us as the the people in the castle being fed so, to shit. Yeah, and, and destroying the environment, you know, in a way that seems counterproductive to anything, even hmm. to capitalism at its worst. So why would you why would you shit in your own nest? But the, something is clearly going on. But it's, it's the manipulation of of reality from from you know Putin's government, from Vladislav Surkov, the guy who was is advising Putin on these cognitive dissonance techniques. Yeah. And that Trump, everyone's falling. You just tell a lie. You shat in the carpet. No, I didn't. No, I just watched you. No, you didn't. And that's where we are now. But that's a very, that's the liminal space you're talking about. That's the the, the tree of life. Malkuth has been drawn up into Yesod. Yeah. And I saw it even in, you know, like superhero movies. Let's explain Iron Man's powers for real as if he could be real. These things could never be real. These hmm. characters are not <laughs> anywhere you know, they have bare no relation to reality except as symbolic, you know, the, you know yeah. images of our higher potential. But in those films, we saw them being concretized. And it's like, here's how it would work. Here's how Batman would work. And he'd end up with back pain. And it's, you know, the, the imaginary became real. The real became imaginary. Reality TV, nothing, nothing is real anymore. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I, I like being down this rabbit hole, but I can see how disorienting, and people are denying, they're in fucking denial. Yeah, I think... But it's happening. This is what the apocalypse looks like. This is where reality and fiction become the same thing. This is what it feels like. It's like everybody's like. having a separate one. Yeah. It's like everybody's having like their own little... And it's all individual, and it's super polarised, like Manichaean religion, like every... But it's not just God versus the devil, Ormazd versus Ariman. Hmm. It's no longer, it's just everyone versus everyone. It's every particle versus every other particle. Yeah. Which is an interesting, you know, I, I find it, I find the chaotic nature of it quite interesting. I, I'm going with the, the Kenneth Grant thing where I think Horus is handing over to his sister, Matt, yeah. the goddess of truth, and things are going to cool down a little bit soon. I hope so. It just seems like every every day there's there's just like a new thing like even the other day when they they announced like the the space force thing did mm -hmm. you see that you must have seen the it Star like the Trek logo thing. it's brilliant it's but it's the, if captain kirk would have kicked your ass how dare you this isn't the federation it's, we, we don't stand yeah. for this we have no money we didn't rape the planet we you know yeah that's that that's one of the things that got me thinking about this i was already halfway down mm -hmm. down the path and and then it's like but it's these illusion becomes reality. It's yeah. like it's, 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 there's no division anymore. I think we just don't recognise this is what the apocalypse looks like. You thought it would be nuclear, but no, it's this. Is it the realisation yeah. that everything's... Reality and illusion are now one thing, and it's like it's only going to get even more intricate and complex and weird. How so? What do you think? Just more of it. What's 
you know, more fake news, more like you can you can take anyone. I predicted this years ago. Like you can take using computer technology, put Bertrand Russell's head on a porn star, and eventually that'll be the reality of it. You know, <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, me too. I'm like, I can't wait. I thought Bertrand Russell and who's the other one? I thought it's like basically one of these fabulous 21st century philosophers who you could, you know, you can we can do this now. The the yeah. end of reality has has begun, and we're in it. And I just don't think people are recognising or admitting to it yet. Who do you think is? The, the smart Art, people. Artists. And the, no, the artists are always, but I, I think they're still too concerned about uh, the 90s. And I, I don't know. I don't know. How so? Art is a commodity rather than art is self-expression of what it's like to be here now. And I may be wrong. I'm, and I cannot speak. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But the young artists who are working there, I bet there's some of them who are totally fucking nailing it. Yeah, that might be because from my perspective, like when I was at school, I hated school. But yeah. the two things that I really loved was music and art. Yeah, so and you had you had teachers you liked. those like me, it was English and art. Yeah. The rest of it was like kill, you know, but I yeah. had good teachers in those disciplines. Yeah, mine were, yeah, mine were good too, but it, it was always like, yeah, but what are you going to do for a job? Because neither of those and things... And how did you answer that question? Well, was, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, none of them were, were, were painted as being viable careers. And, and they yeah. were right. <laughs> but no, my is, careers yeah. officer said you should work in a bank. There's no way they've got people in America who do this work better than you. And I'm like, no, they don't. Hmm. <laughs> How was that then? Because when did you start writing comics? It was like late 70s. 17? Yeah, yeah I was 17 when I got my first actual paying gig and it was like £10 a page. Holy shit. But it was it was very progressive. It was a, a comic called Near Myths, yeah. which was run out of the science fiction bookshop. They're the kind of cool comic store in Edinburgh. Hmm. And this this uh, kid, looking back now, he's a kid, Rob King. But you know, he was the kind of in between hippie and punk. Was this little generation of, like Rob King was one? Yeah. So he, he he created this magazine. We ran it for like six issues. Brian Talbot did Luther Arkwright in there, and yeah. which is the Luther Arkwright to me is the progenitor of all. It's V for Vendetta. It's me. It's Warren Ellis. It's everyone. And Brian Talbot was doing that in 1977. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's I I come up with that and. Being able to do that kind of expressive, you know, stuff with the patronage of, of weird in, in between hippie and punk guys who had the money was was amazing. And at the same time, I was working in DC Thompson doing their space fiction commando stories yeah. and learning that kind of brutal, you know, here's the basics of it. Here's how you tell a story, son. You have no idea. It's like three acts. But I love that. I love being taught stuff, you know, like martial arts. Yeah, because to learn that things, then that's when you get to the point where mm. once you've learned that and you and know you can that into that, you it, can go you know, part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's sound advice always. It's like, oh, here's a trick I can always go back to if you have to prove to people you know this stuff, you know. Yeah, because yeah, because for me, when I was told that, I just I looked at at the two things. I think art seemed like the one that that I might have a like. <clears throat> well, I could do graphic design, mm -hmm. or I could do this. Mm -hmm. And music just always sat on the back burner. And then as it turned out, you know, when you obsess about something enough, yeah. it, it will suddenly bloom in front of you. But that's the thing, isn't it? You have to be, you have to embrace that yeah. thing that you love. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, you know, for all the mistakes that you do, I think I ended up 
in a, in the right place, and it seems to have worked for you as well. I know, but again, you'll see them as mistakes, or it's just an inevitable path through space time. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like mistakes. It feels like isn't it great we sit with this backdrop, talking about this kind of stuff. It's brilliant that things could bring us to this confluence of events. Yeah. You know. Yeah. When did you know that it was? It was the the right way forward. But I don't know if it is. I'm just a product of my environment. <laughs> yeah, but as a reaction to your environment, you've you've no, but my environment was right. great. Yeah, my, my, my yeah. mother, my mom and dad were activists, and they were they they didn't. My mother didn't have me till I was thirty. My dad was thirty five, so they were already smart. But they were just poor working class people. Hmm. They were activists against uh, you know nuclear. Pro- proliferation so I was taking on marches my dad actually broke into bases and did all this stuff so you can see a lot of that in my work and the invisibles and this obsession with underground places and conspiracies and the mm. fact that you know the the ruling elites have it all over us because my dad could you know he could see all these things he could photograph the interior we saw coffins stacked up with everyone's names on them wow for the nuclear war and pencil sharpeners that was my thing it's like pencil sharpeners but now even I'm thinking, did I see that? Or was it just my dad telling me? Yeah. But it's all in the work, I think. That's and such a wild time though. I remember yeah. sitting in, I've said this before, I swear it was like a chemistry class or a physics class and being shown like, you know, that classic mm-hmm. film where it shows like the, the house and the trees <coughs> yeah. of like from the, me. from the blast. And just, it just, yeah, it was like... But it was this. all that haunted in my dreams, and I know what haunted the dreams of an entire generation of people. Yeah. But it was it was very much there, but my parents were against it and fighting it, and they were not winning, you know? My, my dad was a hero, he's been a soldier in the war, he was like, but he was a radical working-class activist. My mother was an intelligent woman who didn't get to college, who just became the, the wife of a radical working-class activist. So... They, they had all this thing going on that I grew up with, but I could see that they were failing to fight this monster. And for me, it was like, I found a Superman comic. Superman's taking the bomb in his chest, the atom bombs are yeah, it tickles. And yeah. imaginatively, that was the salvation. It was like, okay, beyond the bomb, the thing that my mother and father are so scared of, the A-bomb, the, the fucking the end of the world, Superman just laughs at that. And the Hulk only begins his story when that, because, yeah. you know, and suddenly it's all in the mutants come from that. And the comics, honestly, imaginatively give me a space to escape that existential post-war horror. <laughs> Great days. <laughs> it just seems I like they'll be back. <laughs> they are back, I think. I feel like... All those nukes are still there. We've still got... I, I live... Where we live, it's beautiful. It's like Lord of the Rings, like the mm. loch in the mountains. But right across the water, the subs go up and down. And they have 50 times the firepower, apparently, to annihilate all living things on Earth. 50 times. Like, how to... <laughs> that's like, yeah. But that's like the Mahabharata. That's like Brahma. Yeah. It's like these mega doses of extinction. You know? Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. All right. Well, that's an interesting point because mm-hmm. I, I only read Nameless recently and it feels like you saying about yeah. about you know those the great wars in heaven mm-hmm. that that seems like a be a, a like a recurring thing yet another thing i noticed with that with with um uh, zibalba and then also um oh, i'm so terrible 
with Barbalith as mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. and then how those these kind of things that hover outside of just outside. Yeah, it's of the liminal our, space again. Yeah, you're talking, it's the space between the frames, like like Valis. You know, yeah. And, yeah, and that's why I identified with Valis or. You know, the, the pink light, zebra, whatever Philip K. Dick was talking about. Because yeah. I, I never read his books, but I read his biography and I've loved the guy, you know. But yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the liminal space. And for me, the Babla thing, I was a little kid on a bus. So for me, it's always something real, it's something concrete. And I'm on a bus when I'm, I'm small and it stopped at the light and I became absorbed. It was like a peak experience for a child hmm. in this red light. And then it was the change from red to green. Oh, green means go, yellow through yeah. green means go. And that became a whole important symbolic event that I couldn't explain. You know, all I could do is put it in the comic and say, this was immense for reasons I cannot articulate. Do you look back on those things and think about them now? Yeah, all Do you of, understand all of it, them a yes. bit better? No, I, I get it now, but it's... Some things are beyond words, you know, there are experiences that are beyond, yeah. beyond articulation. But you try to put them in something, so it's, I, mean, I kind of get that, badly, that weird. Well, that's what makes your job yeah. so difficult, to take these, these ideas and thought forms and, <clears throat> and It never feels difficult, never, you know. How do you write? Because I know you, you draw a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. You draw I, I draw it out. out first and all the comics I draw them and like Todd McFarlane called me and was, oh, you're, you're doing all these shadows and like, you know, it's like the entire background. I mean, yeah, I was like drawing little tiny comics back when my eyes could handle this shit. Yeah. And they were tiny, this mad. They should be reproduced. You know, some of them have been, say, some, of them have been have them? some of them have been, some of them have been, I've got all of them. But they're nuts. They're like super, like detailed, like with backgrounds and shadows and everything worked to the tiniest, miniaturist madness detail. So is that how you plot everything out, mm -hmm. or are you, are you literally would you write a story and then then the second draft of it almost would be the visual? No, the visual always comes first. And wow. For comics, always. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I yeah. Guess. For comics, well, if you're doing something else, then it's something else. But yeah. comics, it's all, I have to draw the page. I have to see, like, bang, you turn the page and you get this. It's, you know, it's a delivery system of, of keeping people turning the page, making, you know, yeah. giving them excitement, always having a cliffhanger at the end of every page. Or... Is that something from, from childhood? Because the whole kind yeah, of Yeah, just from reading serialized... stuff. Yeah, yeah, from like serialization. I think that's what television's ended up like, which is why it's been fun to embrace that because they took the storytelling modes of Stan Lee comics basically yeah. and you know these endless recurring narratives yeah and translated it to television I feel like we're getting we're jumping ahead of all the things no, I want to okay, talk about no that's cool that's your fault isn't it? yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm jumping around a bunch Something else that I was thinking well, about that's a again conversation, was isn't it? You yeah. just keep going back to your touchstones. Yeah. So the other thing um, saying about you know having you know read Nameless and and the idea of the meteor and stuff. Then because I've been thinking about this loads, another one of these synchronicities. You know when yeah, you get yeah, yeah. like a news thing will yeah. just come up on your phone. It said about um, it was the thing about um, about Jupiter and like scientists have now think that that. Jupiter for this entire time has either mm -hmm. been shielding us from... Oh, very much, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or just l lobbing stuff towards us. 
depending on how it feels that day, you know. It's yeah. Like, Jupiter, Daddy's angry. Yeah. He's firing a fifty-ton missile at us. Yeah. Yeah. I but that's given it intention. That's anthropomorphizing the whole concept. So I don't know. Do you not? You not? No, I do. I think it's all multi-dimensional. Every yeah. aspect of it is, helps to understand the truth. Because then, it, then yeah, it, Jupiter is a thinking entity that sometimes thinks, "Fuck you." You haven't been paying enough attention. But yeah. Jupiter is also, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like an astrological sign. It's a set of correspondences. Yeah. All of this is true. You know, it's also just a rocky planetoid with a gaseous atmosphere hmm. that has no intention. Yeah. But somehow it seems to be doing stuff, you know. So so I think it's all, like I say, everything's prismatic. Everything, you have to see all the faces of it. To yeah. understand what's real you know blake would say the sun is a you know it's a convocation of angels blazing singing harmony a scientist would see a you know a stellar object with this and mass and this you know nuclear yeah. fuse but all of those things are true all I was those say, versions it can, it can be all those things all so. of the, you know it is all of those things even no matter even ones you don't agree with you know? yeah and i think to understand the actual the actual immensity of the concept at the center of that, you have to understand every single angle of what it might be, how it could be described. And that accounts, that's also everything, which is, you know, the, the prismatic view of things could, could drive you nuts, but you have to, I think you have to take ad, advantage of all the potential perspectives. And I think, um, whereas before, scientism would always be that no, we've reached the peak of where we're at, so let's take everything off that, that doesn't fit in with our worldview. Yeah. Now they're having to change all that. And if you are to then follow that down, you know, follow that thread down mm -hmm. a rabbit hole, that you get to the point where, where you decide, yeah, consciousness is not something that is a result of matter and it is its own thing, then what's <clears throat> to say that those things aren't? part of some universal consciousness this sounds like i'm high no dude, dude, now you've done it no i think consciousness is absolutely you can relate it all to matter it's like consciousness is the sum total of the universe thinking about itself and especially us we don't have anyone yes. I mean, there might be fabulous aliens out there thinking higher level but so far it's us and all the animals and they've got ways of thinking about it we haven't even learned to talk about yet mm. but it's us thinking about it and, that, and that's it yeah because you could then look at that as the sense that we are just appendages from which something is experiencing itself no it's just imagine you're a cell in a body they die all the time they flake off but they're all part of your body yeah and they will persist and they're super organized machines these tiny little things that do stuff and communicate with each other but they slough and die but you persist and I think it's it's that on a, a, a larger scale and it's just everything everything is holographic you know just look to the smallest and you'll see the structure of the largest yeah as above yeah so above. which of course you know the hermetic thinkers were already there all those the, the Greeks were doing this I mean primitive people were doing this because they had brains just as big as ours mm. but different frameworks yeah you know, it was, it was interesting. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm babbling, but... No, I'm into it. <laughs> no, but, the, you know, I, I said to Kristen, what, what did the Aboriginal people in Australia think about the fires? And she went and checked it out, and it was like, they had all kinds of 
defences. Culture that goes back 60,000 years. Aboriginal people have an 11-dimensional model of time, hmm. which is like the furthest string theory versions we have. They already did it. It's a 60,000-year-old culture. And we're not talking to them about this. <laughs> and they have all kinds of defences and barriers and things. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. And you're not talking to them. So, <laughs> yeah. And it might be more than 60,000 years, but they figured it all out. Imagine an 11 dimensional theory of time. Yeah, because again, that's just like I was saying about the idea of like everything that's on the table is like, this is what how we view things. This is how it is. This is the accepted theory of what, of what reality is. <clears throat> but I think it's all consciousness though. You know, the, we, we have this idea of, of uh, the more complex, things become like a, a single bee is not very smart but a beehive is super smart hmm. you know a termite is not very smart but a termite mound is pretty organized so all you have to do is, is to think that out the, what's the what's the most complex structure we know the universe of course it's organized it's an, an emergent structure hmm. it's conscious it's as simple as that and we're very good receivers because we have so many, we've got all these neurons, we've got all this shit going on, we're really good radios. Yeah. I think consciousness is everything and we just, we're just receivers for it and we're good receivers so we can reflect and do all this stuff. But I think oh, it's all consciousness, everything's, that chair's got its own sense of the heat has changed the thing, but I don't, it's not thinking. It's... <laughs> I agree. I was thinking back to when, when I sort of first became aware of, of your work, mm -hmm. and I think aside from like stuff in 2018 <clears throat> and a couple of things in Warrior, mm -hmm. for me the thing where where it really are you going back at least? I'm old though. Yeah. I, I remember. Convinced. You look lovely. You've, you've defied time. So do you. <laughs> yeah, I remember like convincing my dad to to buy me Warrior from. From our local Warriors news agents, oh, so like great, a revelation. For for yeah. a, like to be a kid to read that was just mm -hmm. everything that was going on with it, with like Spiral Path and yeah. Shandor. I've known just all the stuff I love. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and V, and it was yeah. just like um, yeah, it was it was quite the eye opener. The, and the, V was like Dennis Potter doing superheroes. This is great. This is mm. like you know. It really felt like all the stuff I loved on TV in the 70s and all that, that amazing flowering of of imagination that was on television. It just felt like, here's the comic. This, yeah. this is everything I want to do, you know? Was it, in, was it very inspiring for you then? Yeah, yeah. Because I've been trying. I did Near Myths and we were a, a dry run for... It wasn't even adult comics. It was just, here's cool sci-fi... This this the shit we're into. There's Brian Talbot doing Luther Artright, which like yeah. I say was a template I think for I've all got, of this stuff. I think I've got know? some there was standalones done of that a while mm -hmm. ago, like back in the day, weren't there? Because I swear I've got some like they were very like black and they were just black and white with like orangey Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that no, it was some. all just black and white, but it, but Talbot he was the basically the leading light and the, the, the engine of our train. But that was happening and for me I'd grown up with Jim Starlin and Don McGregor and all those psychedelic kids who were yeah. doing Marvel comics doing Doctor Strange and Warlock and you know stuff that's now becoming the Marvel Cinematic Universe but which is a trip 
But I'd grown up with that, and Steve Gerber, and these just satirists, and that was my idea of what comics were. It was this big, mad, adult thing. Yeah. So when Warrior came along, it was here's the British version. It's like, oh, my dream come true. Hmm. Near Myths didn't work out, but they've they've discovered how to make it work, and they had just I mean, it was it was brilliant. It was very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, that was an exciting time then, I imagine. But and then you'd all that the explosion of the the small press and the independent press that like Ryan Hughes and you know Paul Gravette stuff and yeah. all, all those comics that come out of that. It was, it was really yeah. punk as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, it was that mm. kind of weird middle ground between punk and and psychedelia. Yeah, and we'd all grown up with comics and we we had ideas. We couldn't wait to be unleashed, and suddenly the floodgates were open. You could do this, yeah. which was like punk. You can make a record, you know. Yeah. The thing for me, when I really, where it really clicked with your stuff for me was Arkham Asylum. Yeah. I think, to be fair, Dave McKean's artwork mm -hmm. had a lot to do with that because as somebody that was an aspiring No, Dave, and Dave it, it, it couldn't be without him. It's like, my, my, I think my script is kind of great, but yeah, I was imagining awesome. a Brian Boland. I thought it'd be super like grind, grungy, every piece of dirt. Hmm. But Dave was so much better, and I think that's why it survived. It's like there's nothing like it. Because there is nothing like it. And he was antagonistic to the whole concept of having to do Batman. He's a he's a fine artist, he's a jazz musician. He's like Yeah. And he's like, no. So his the conflict between me and him. I was trying to do the killing joke, basically, you know, like a super realistic dirty David Lynch yeah. and he was no I'm doing this big symbolic drama based on my heroes Baron's story you know the, the, yeah. the illustrators that he loved and that's honestly with, without him it wouldn't be as, at all it would be, it's him that people love it's him the art students come from, and he's like he delivers it's like this is Batman like art students you know yeah yeah, but it was the marrying of the two things that made it so... No, I think because the um, underlying story, people forget, it's really quite tight and, and it's, it's just a, it's a thriller, you know? Yeah. Set across two times, a mad story, a horror story. And it's quite circular and tight, but but I think he brought such chaos to it, you know, people forget. Yeah, well, that was brilliant. a great period brilliant. for comic art, yeah. like him and Sinkiewicz. Sinkiewicz, yeah. But it was Dave breaking away from those influences as well, and you can see it like the anger. And the, yeah, you know, and he's got Gustav Klimt pages. And, yeah, 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 fully like figures that yeah, are like quite yeah. sheerish and gaunt. Yeah, and, and it's like awesome. I do not want to draw Batman. <laughs> but, so it's kind of brilliant for that, and I think that's why it's still around and people still like well, it. Well, it's 30th anniversary yeah, last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I saw them. I'm so gutted because I wanted to bring it with me because I got him to sign it mm -hmm. when I first bought it and I was like fuck I need to bring that with me I, <clears throat> just so I can go yes but um, I left it on my fucking table but oh, there you go um, life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But he was great. We went on a tour and it was the first time I'd been to America and it was just amazing. But I'm, oh, really? I'm traveling with Dave to Chicago and his beard froze in the 25 <laughs> seconds between the taxi and the hotel. It was minus, <laughs> minus 28. And he's, wow. I remember just watching <laughs> crystallized. But then his nose bled and he could do this amazing imitation of, of uh, what's his name, South Bank Show did. Oh, Melvin Bragg? Yeah, he was, on, and he kept saying, David Hockney. It was <laughs> <laughs> So Dave, Dave was brilliant. Why, why do you think that um, has stood the test of time so much? Because it is... It's because it's, it's, it's the art Batman. It's the Euro Batman. Again, we wanted it to be, this is Sleaze, this is Bowie and Berlin Batman. Yeah. You know, and we were watching those Brothers Quay movies, and, but Schwankmeyer, Jan Schwankmeyer, the those puppets, you got to see this stuff. I don't know that. No, you must. Then you love it. But Schwankmeyer was a, 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 a Czechoslovakian. You know, I could be wrong, but he made these brilliant movies. It was like stop motion. Oh, okay. Animations. A lot of people copied his style. Like the Brothers Key. Must yeah, have Brothers copied. Key yeah, copied yeah. that style. Okay. So it was things coming to life and regurgitating. And then Tool, you know, obviously. Yeah. 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 So. We were looking at that. We were looking at, you know, like uh, Kenneth Anger and all this, like, yeah. like alternative stuff. We just thought, this, Frank Miller had done this ultimate American Batman, the kind of mm. Scorsese dark Batman. We thought, let's do the Euro Batman, where Batman's this f- fucked up German expressionist figure and the Joker's the master of ceremonies from Cabaret. Yeah. And that was where it came from. It's like, here's Euro Batman. Here. Do you remember when it came People out? People hated it. Yeah, that's what I wanted it got to know. Such a, it got such a mega build-up, and they were saying, oh, the hype, the hype. And I was like, I kept denying, no, it's just a book, it's just it's just our take, it's just... But they hated it when it came out. Where? Over there? or In Britain, yeah. Really? Yeah, I was seen as super pretentious, and I was, I was constantly trying to live this down, pretentious. I just oh, I'm just a working super... class kid. I'm yeah. so sorry. I didn't go to university. <laughs> it just feels really artful to me. Well, I, yeah. I, I honestly, I think it's great. And it's survived. But it is this, it's, and it's goth. It's like really, yeah. it's just a thing. It's like if you're an art student, you're going to love this version of Batman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably why it resonated for me. And like mm-hmm. you said, because I think at that point, that was when I'd first, I don't know, when was it, 89? 89, So yeah. I would have been... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so two. I was, I, I was two years old. Yeah, and you loved Batman. I was like, yeah, I would have been like seventeen, and it was, mm, and it was mm-hmm. by that point, I think I'd already started getting, I'd been quite far down the like the whole sort of like. Were you reading the British stuff? Or were you reading all, all that stuff? At the yeah, time? A bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and I'd already started to get into um, magic a bit as well, and had a few. But what got you into that? Who? What Do magic? Get, yeah, yeah. Where, where did that come from? Um, I don't know. I guess just because... I don't know, actually. I guess it's because of the, the sort of things I was into. I was into a lot of art. But my mum was... Um, like, it was a running joke that she was really witchy. Mm-hmm. But 
but she would always deny it. But mm-hmm. then if somebody got a, a wart in the family, she'd be like, let me go and get a bit of bacon. We'll rub yeah. that on there and then we'll go and bury it in the garden. Oh, I was bacon. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but so it was like weird, almost mm-hmm. like folk magic things going on. But um, I know, but don't you think every family has that? So what drew you to something? I don't know. it's not folk magic you're talking about. It's, it's slightly, you know, it's a different kind of... But you feel it, don't you? I think we all do. When, yeah, when my mum was super when she, she was into magic. She read tea leaves. But I I was a sceptic. I've, I've never seen a ghost. You all talk about this shit. I don't fucking believe any of this. So what changed it? I, I did a Crowley ritual and I thought, this is bullshit. Which one? It was what the Bornless. The bornless okay, yeah, yeah Headless. Like, yeah, yeah, Lever Samek. No, so I, I didn't even know. How old were you when you did that? 19. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, and I didn't take drugs. I didn't fucking, I, I didn't drink. I didn't take even coffee. Nothing passed my lips. I was like a straight edge, like a little, you know, minister yeah. in my mod, you know, thing. But I did this and I thought, okay, I'll, 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 I'll show me something. So I, I, I did the ritual. And I lay back and I'm on nothing. And I got the whole, I'm in the white hot room. You know, and it's like all these mages of times past and things like, you know, holy fuck. And it was for real. Yeah. But then, you know, I did the thing and it, this was all like, I, I could talk myself out of it because I'd imagined it. Yeah. And it was here and it was a spiral. It was the entire universe flushing down the plug hole, which has been a repeated motif. Yeah. But then at night, I woke up in the middle of the night and there's this pressurized space above me like a collapsing all the all the perspectives and the you know the visual field was descending into this hole and there was just this thing like siphoning into my brain but then the lion appears and it's like i am neither north nor south i am you know i forget so yeah for me it was like okay this is actually i just did something that changed my consciousness considerably that didn't involve drugs it didn't involve anything other mm. than he said this would happen if i did this and he oh, oh he was right mm. so that changed everything and i just began to explore yeah and it, i went through my entire 20s this little mod boy just doing magic reading guitaro making it up yeah. You know, and then I got I got to thirty two and I thought I'll drink and I'll take psychedelics and see what else I can get. And the rituals, the the gods became visual in a way that they, before they were just distortions, weirdness, like collapses of hmm. perspective. And then you're tripping, and it's like, Oh right, that's what you look like. Yeah. And so it was uh, that was fascinating, but it was all it was all done in the service of what I do not fucking believe this. You're talking shit. Has that ever smacked you on the ass? Thinking like that? Always, but I don't care. It's like it's always <laughs> no. It's, it's a story. I've had demons and like the monsters, yeah. the scorpions, and I'm like, you you do know I'm just going to put this in a story and make money out of you. But then that's essentially my, mm-hmm. maybe why it's happening. No, but they still. It's like okay, we stung you. It's like you're good. That's a story too. Hmm. It's but always, these things want to live. In, in whatever uh, manner you can yeah. provide. Yeah, and I right? let them live. I said, like, oh, you can be my story. Hmm. I almost died in 1996. I had this Staph aureus infection, and I was doing it in the invisibles, and I just said to the what infection, you know? if you let me live, I'll 
I'll make you the major villain in this story. Yeah. And you will be this infectious viral horror that's, you know, taking over reality. And they're like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I find really <clears throat> interesting, the way you've put yourself in a lot of your, in your work. Because yeah, I think people no, probably think it's... The thing was, it was like, and after that, I, I, I was obsessed with carrots. I was like, I had to have carrots, 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 carrots. <laughs> but no, the Staph aureus bug, the reason it's called Staph aureus, it's golden staff, because it's carotene rich. Really? So I, all the bugs were dead, and all I wanted was carrots to replace the bulk of death that had been in me. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts I think the th the two things go so hand in hand with like with creativity and magic see this when I normally do this mm -hmm. it's, it's often it's more than likely with people from bands yeah, and, yeah. and we'll talk a bit about oh, so we'll talk about what's going on in the record that you've just yeah, done and yeah. da, da 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 but then we always get to this point where I'm like well it's magic isn't it and you know, but magic is just feel... a thing. It's a, we, we all own it. It's a, that's why it's the working class. It's like all of us. Hmm. Magic is just a way of making meaning, you know? But do you think that... Magic is meaning. It's simple as that. And you can develop that further into martial arts. But the basis of magic is meaning, right? You're sitting in this room. That's not just a chair. That's the throne of the, you know, the king of heaven. Well, that's not just... Do you make the meaning? Hmm. If you don't make the meaning, it becomes clipothic. It's the shell of everything. Yeah. And meaning is just, that's all it is. How much meaning can you apply to that building over there? Oh, it's a Masonic temple that's dedicated to the, the destruction of the planet Earth by drawing down, you know, fire from heaven and uniting with the oil underneath us and like destroying the planet because oil wants a desert. You, you can make stories out of everything. Yeah. Magic is meaning. The meaning of my life is that I will do this. I'll ascend to this. I'll be in a band. I'll pretend to be someone I'm not, mm. and it will work. You know, that's yeah. magic. It's all magic. It's, this, it's not a. It's not a fucking thing for dudes in robes and hats. It's our birthright. It's our. We make meaning. We can take control just by making meaning. Well, I think that was why, um, when you've got someone like Genesis. Orange, I feel mm -hmm. like what what she did with Topi yeah, and yeah. In, in that whole period that it made that was exactly that wasn't it, it was making it an egalitarian thing and it was taking it away from from the OTL still, and the Golden Dawn the, yeah and I, I agree it wasn't the, it that was no works. longer the collegiate version yeah. of magic like you know, Etonian which is, magic almost but I, I kind of yeah. also respect that you know the Hogwarts I do as well. But well, like you can it, rise up through the and there are judges like you know, like Rodney Orpheus is my friend. It's there are levels of we have tests to see if you've attained this state of consciousness. Yeah. Don't fucking lie about it. So I kinda that's okay. <laughs> but at the same time I think, you know, I'd i am more drawn to the the non binary, the queer fucking current. Yeah. The, wider you know mayan voodoo polynesian are you a big spare fan no i always no? hated him how Weird. come i just i just i couldn't i couldn't get into it at all but i find that i mean he's the, i know i know he's like the one that should be no I like oh, i'm Crowley. surprised okay see i'm the opposite yeah because i always spare I mean, just does not connect 
with me at all, but I know he should because I know his stuff is like, yeah, come on. But what you're doing is yeah. a lot of what you do seems to be very much in that camp almost. But maybe, yeah, I, I guess if the if the guy doesn't resonate with you, that's one thing. But it does seem like, uh, yeah, you're, you're, it seems to yeah, me... Yeah, you have to ask then why. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like your, your thinking yeah. seems to be quite yeah. in parallel with his. Especially as you're saying about the whole non-binary thing and him mm. having like the idea of the neither-neither where it's like neither... But all that, ma- but even that, that's so Victorian, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's very of a time. So for me, there's all the, the you know, Advaita, the, you know, Buddhism, Dzogchen. It's like none of that appears in this kind of Western-oriented thing, you know, and mm. and, and and just female magic, the, the Bina, the sphere of Bina, which is where I feel I finally got after the abyss, yeah. was to, to that, the, the Black Panther goddess. So I, th- I think there's a lot more going on there's a lot more interesting metaphors that we could be drawn from than just the simple Western male tradition of the yeah. the logos, you know, the the, yeah. the word, the written word. That age is over, Osiris. But you, you you're a Kenneth Grant fan, though, right? Yeah, I, I, I like the, the the kind of girly nature of it all. Yeah, and his that Matt. I think it really has to be. It's Wonder Woman. It's the goddess of truth, Matt. You know, we had we cannot destroy structures anymore we have to progress them and matt is like, horace is all about kicking it down he's the jihadi boy yeah you know? that 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 version of horace you know the the, the lord of flame and and force and, and force and fire well i'd like you i yeah you could see that when yeah in, it's very destructive that, when again it's the, like yeah it's the, the destruction of, of the death, towers it's yeah. like the breakdown of reality that's horace it's like but i think I love Kenneth Grant because it's the aeon of Matt is happening simultaneously and she comes up and we're seeing it, you know, the Me Too movement, the the, yeah. the, the, the queer fringes coming in and talking and getting angry and like, you know, I, I think yeah. that's that. That's what my Wonder Woman book's been about. That's what Brave New World's about is this, you know, let the girls do it. I'm happy to if you do your thing. I'm sure it will fuck up eventually, but... That's definitely the vibe of, of Nameless, I think, as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the handover just Horus stop kicking things down. We can develop it. We can we can take what you got and make it more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll plant flowers in the top of your towers. We'll like, you know. Yeah. I wanted to talk about TV, yeah. especially because when I started watching Happy, I hadn't made the connection that it was you. I don't think. All right, I good. I think yeah. I, I think I just was on netflix and was like oh this looks cool and then uh, mm-hmm. like the penny dropped really quick obviously when my name appeared yeah well, yeah <laughs> but um but yeah i've really enjoyed it it's been one of the few tv series in in you know both seasons mm-hmm. of it have been amazing and i think that uh it's all, so the, st- all the actors are great and he's, ah, yeah. he's brilliant it's he's like, amazing yeah. yeah how how was that moving into that just great. I mean, I had the best experience. I, mean, I know people hate this thing, but I just, every, everyone was brilliant on that show and I was in the room with them and we're talking all the stuff out and creating the, the what the show became. So, no, it was, it was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. I loved the collaborative thing because usually I sit on my own struggling with, oh, I'm on page 10. Shit, there's 22 <laughs> pages of this. 
but you're in a room and you just throw it over to this fabulous, you know, young woman who's a, a Caltech scientist. <laughs> it was like, boom. And you were very open to that then, the collaboration. No, it's I mean, I, I, I want to learn. It was like the dojo. It was like, wow, these are people who are like solving narrative problems and they've got different methods from me. So I can learn. It's like, you know, the crane method. Yeah. Like, Absorbing it all. Yeah. But did that brilliant. throw, did that throw, did that throw like the main, like you had everything mapped out where you were going with it? As no, it goes? No, no, no. You, you have it mapped out and then you start talking and everyone's and ideas. So yeah. it becomes like, let's make it better. Let's do this. Let's like push this element of it. And, and that's great. But I think you have to have it mapped out. You have to know what you're doing and then people will make it better, hopefully. I kind of want to talk about um, about a lot of that, but mm. I also want to. I'm also conscious that we're. I mean, like we're nearly fifty yeah, minutes. Done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now you're in that world, mm -hmm. and I think that this there's a bunch of really great comic book, I guess adaptations. But that, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that <clears throat> those universes now coming across into the into. I was, I was going to say new medium, but it's not a new medium, is it? You sure? Okay. You can. You could have said. I don't mind. <laughs> um, Kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just stop talking. It says. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So with stuff like Umbrella Academy, which I thought yeah. he's done amazing with. Yeah. Um, the boys, which yeah. I thought was it's good. I thought it was ace. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just loved that it actually <clears throat> went there. And, and preacher, I really enjoyed as well. It feels like now. Whereas that stuff before it just felt it felt very, um, it felt like people's perceptions of what comics were that weren't involved in comics. Do you know what I mean? It always was like very tongue now, in cheek and a bit like naff. In, and in television now, there's so many shows. There's like 500 what shows and all these streaming services. Yeah, and it feels more like vertical. And yeah. in the 90s, it was. This sense that you can do anything, that we're really open to individual voices because things have to stand out. They have to be shocking or provocative or whatever. Yeah. So suddenly you find yourself like, this is like 1993 when I was doing The Invisibles and Sebastian O. It's like vertigo. It's That's that feeling. Awesome. Yeah, because I, I feel like... And how much of that eventually gets there, but I think we, we've done it. It's, you know, the, the happy is really like the comic book and then it's a whole new take on the comic book in season two and I, it just seemed like when i like the x files was really pushing that whole thing and, and it became like a real focus within society for people because it, you know again it was the, like you said there, there weren't the <coughs> streaming services and it yeah, felt like yeah. that was the thing that was yeah. kind of pushing forward a bit and exploring new ideas and bringing magic and, and now it's everything and it's just like we're fighting each other yeah to be expressed you know <laughs> yeah it's awesome yeah so that that so leads... the weirdest visions the most individual visions can now actually make it to to the screen and be seen by people yeah in a that... way that comics aren't anymore you know comics are they're a niche it's like poetry in the 18th century but people are ready for it now as well, I think, was before they, you couldn't have done... And all those techniques were from comics, the long-form yeah. storytelling, the, you know, arcs and seasons, and, like, you can keep these characters running and coming back, and hmm. soap opera, it's all Stan Lee. Yeah. 
Yeah, but then he was taking that from Flash Gordon and mm-hmm. the early Tarzan and <clears> stuff, I guess. So it's it's this thing that kind of feeds in on itself and then out and then back in. But um, so this is something I wanted to talk about because I know that you've previously said that you were speaking to the BBC a long time ago about the Invisibles, right? Yeah, yeah, way back. When was that? Like quite soon. Nineteen ninety-nine. And what what happened with that? I wrote two scripts, got paid, nothing happened. Yeah. Do you look back now and think that that was probably a, a blessing? Yeah, yeah. There's a new version coming, so. Yeah. yeah. When? <laughs> oh, it's, I know that you've been working on it because I, I saw I that you. It's like fucking <laughs> killer, it's destroyer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's it. Hmm? Can I see? See what? You see it. <laughs> <laughs> you see it. Look, you have Kristen hovering over. Him, like. Well, you're you're far into it, right? Yeah. Is it? No, it's, I'm so excited. It's like it's, it's everything that it was in the nineties. This is it for now. Yeah. And how far into it are you? Oh, I'm really curious mm-hmm. now. Like you've you've. Oh, it's like. Is it a full adaptation <laughs> yeah, yeah. or is it? No, but it's like a whole new thing. Okay. In this world now, what we've been talking about, you know, is that. Amazing. Then it's not Jack Frost or Dane, it's like Agate Robin. Okay. But it's her young self, and she meets herself, like she has to bring herself up. And she hates her, they hate each other. It's like, imagine meeting your 16 year old self. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's It's one of those things where, like, I think. Uh, at the age I'm at now, I always say, mm. oh, if I could go back and tell 15-year-old me, that's a lovely idea. He would be going, no, fuck he, you. Yeah. He'd be like, fuck you, the, you're yeah. fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's really exciting. But that's the, that's only, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's, Great. It's It's been the passion that it was then, but for now, and it's like totally different. Like, yeah. Absolutely absorbing the stuff I've been reading, you know. The way the world works is diseased. Yeah. These awful old men that are running things. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's just that as soon as you start to think about that stuff, it can be so crushing. Like I talked to my son about it. He's 21. <clears throat> and he and he's... Well, he's quite big. He's growing up then. So what's his take on it? He's like, we're fucked. Yeah. And I'm but like, well, that's keep why I telling, said when I but was imagine, no, but No, it's worse because did we keep telling kids this myth? It's mm. all over. You're doomed. You're fucked. We're, we're de- deliberately diminishing their potential to defy that. But then that's what it was like for us at that age as well. Do no, you think? I was never told it was doomed. I, I was told I could change the world. Are you different? I don't know. My parents said you could do anything. You could write a novel. You could direct a film. You could... You know? Yeah. And they were they yeah, had I don't nothing. Think, they I had don't mean nothing. My, my parents poor, were you know? unsupportive. Yeah. But you know, my dad was a bricklayer, his dad was a bricklayer, and his dad so was a bricklayer. So what were you told? Like, what did you think when you, you did this? You know? I don't know. I just remember that for me there was a moment where so we had a coal fire <clears> where we lived <throat> and I would go out this sound makes it sound like that <laughs> like the eighteen fifties. It's like Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Yorkshireman. <laughs> yeah. I lived in a cowboy box. <laughs> 
don't want it, to... Wait, it was two inches by two inches square. Luxury. <laughs> luxury. <laughs> luxury. Well, that's... Yeah, I don't, I'm very mm-hmm. wary that it's going to descend into that. But I remember thinking that my dad finally, like, was taking my art seriously and mm-hmm. my music seriously when I went out to chop... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this wow. does sound like the 1800s. When I go out to chop wood and he wouldn't let me do it anymore. He went, no, I don't want no, you. Artists don't do that. No, because what? he think he th- I think he thought if I took one of my fingers off, then I would be fucked. Fuck, man. So and was that a moment for you? Though? Yeah. 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 When I look at it now, yeah, very much so. Um, so you grew up where? Um, just outside of Reading. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was was what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to sit and complain just about it now. But, no, um, need, no need to make excuses, <laughs> old man. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, and it wasn't that they weren't supportive, far from it, I think. Yeah. But um, it just felt that there was this overbearingness within society where well, it probably felt yeah. like we couldn't, you know, it's like, yeah, just shut up and get on with what, what's mm-hmm. going to be allotted mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I talk to him now and I feel like now I'm way more, I don't know whether I'm actually more optimistic because of my outlook on everything and yeah. or if I'm just... <clears throat> trying to paint an optimistic picture because I don't want my, want my kids to be miserable. You I'm know? just being optimistic to be evil because there's no, <laughs> no, you're not allowed to be. It's like, it's, yeah. it's impossible. But just for that reason. <laughs> yeah. But I love Greta Thunberg. I'm like totally, I hate the way people hate that young woman, you know. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I think the way, I don't care what's going on with her social media account, whether it's like a bunch of people doing it, but fuck me, she's like, every time that guy has said something about her, yeah. she's just changed a little thing and everybody turns around and laughs at him and it's it's amazing. Well, imagine she was a robot. <laughs> you did Poppy in Titanic, didn't you? I loved yes. that whole Poppy thing where she was just being the, the Britney Spears, the mind-controlled Alice yeah. in Wonderland MK had, Ultra thing, you know, yeah. it's brilliant. It was because like, it was yeah. playing on that whole yeah. that um that archetype, you know, like mm-hmm. you look at like sites like Vigilant Citizen, um, you know, those weird websites where it's like it's I, I guess they're, they're almost like there's like this almost sort of fundamentalist Christian. Yeah, but you've read that you know the, the MK Ultra things which the girls all have to do on Alice in Wonderland, but that's part of the mind control, the brainwashing. Yeah. And they've all got a video. And, and they just took that and turned it into an art project. I love that thing. Yeah, that amazing. Like, yeah. You know what was weird, though, was when, when I did it with them, there was so many... I was fucking walking to the hotel to do the thing, <clears throat> and it kept happening. There was, like, little things that were just, like... It was... And I walked into the... Um, <laughs> I walked into the hotel, right. and the hotel, the first thing you see is just a bunch of, uh, like, <clears throat> about 15 sort of... Um, you know, like masks, like those kind of white masks yeah, yeah, yeah. that you get in almost eyes wide shut kind Good of drama. Kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so there was all of those on the wall. And then I get in the lift and the whole lift is themed with um, the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are all the, these are all the things. The trigger that you, things. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Trigger images of, a, you know, US culture. Like, yeah, that, that are allegedly within mm-hmm. all these, these programs. And then, um, and then we get into the room and the entire room is split down the middle like a chessboard. So there's white and then black and then black and white. 
the whole thing and on painted onto the wall That's of our hotel room. It's Gwen Stefani. It's the, but don't you it think... It was the Tin Man yeah, painted yeah. As, a, as an outline on the, the wall. Humanity. And it, I was just like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding? <laughs> but everyone knows this. That's what I get out. Look at these conspiracies. Oh, this is happening. You know, it's like Jay-Z and Beyonce. They're reading the same shit you are. Yeah. And they'll just turn it into pop art. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's what we talked to yeah. them about. It was... It's, it is an all art form. All of this imagery is available to everyone now. We can all pretend to be mind-controlled slaves of the elite. Mm. We can all pretend. And that's, again... Or is it a double bluff? Yeah, it's a super not. It's illusion and reality is now gone. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we started mm. talking about. Yeah. yeah, man. It's crazy. It has but become yeah. one thing. Yes, Odin and Malkuth are now one thing. But the symmetry of tree is now fixed. Yeah. Yeah, but which side of it are we on? Front side or the back side of it? Do you know what I mean? It feels like Anyone sometimes you it like, feels like we're, mm-hmm. it's really clipopic and. But that's because we we because uh, that's sexy. No, so but it's not. I think we're just playing with that because the clip off is always sexy. It's, we don't understand the real clip off is just boom, death of effect, death of everything, death of meaning. Yeah. We the the clip off you're talking about is just sexy, dirty obverse of civilization that's not the clip the clip is all oh, it's like nothing it means nothing nothing means anything saying about mm-hmm. uh the, the idea of these people that are like the ruling elite you're not particularly into the the idea of aliens are you no but do you i'm a skeptic i just like yeah, God. i that think it's all just mind, though no, I think it's all just human conscious states. This this seems real in this circumstance. Yeah. Like I don't. You... Oh, they, 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 I mean, they could do way better on this. The Daleks, <laughs> the Daleks come in and destroy and turn people into robo men. Where are these? Show show yourself. Mm. I think yeah, it's just us. We, no, we are they, Don't you feel an alien? Don't, that's why we love David Bowie because he said. This is what it feels like to be an alien. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, because then you start looking into panspermia so, yeah, and the yeah. idea about... It's all already done. We're all aliens. It's not... Yeah, I know. think that's that's yeah. the conclusion people are going to get to. And that's why it feels so creepy sometimes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree, actually. You read a lot, like, you've read a lot of Peter Lavender's stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I was reading some of his fairly recently from one of the uh, the books he's been doing with Tom DeLonge mm-hmm. and the idea about, you know, like about panspermia and, and <clears> like um, about it being directed. And then it, he, he went off on the whole thing about um, the idea of DNA and <clears> RNA <throat> being far too complex to have just been something, you know, the whole idea about... But you know that's a non-scientist? What, him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of that, but so, but these are ideas we're talking no, about. I agree. All the ideas are, like I said, it's prismatic. Yeah, it's exactly. All, yeah, it's all real from this POV. I find you know? that I've 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 gone so far down one track at times that I'll just my but point of view is that we don't even get it. Look at all you know. It's all happening simultaneously in all these levels. Like it could hmm. be this, it could be that, it could be that. Okay, Everything we think about it. Yeah, but. Everything we think adds to the actual reality of what's 
being described. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, because that, that whole, what I was going to say was that whole thing about, you know, like tornado in a scrapyard and mm -hmm. at the end of the tornado there's a 747 <clears throat> perfectly formed and blah, 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 and how they, they're saying But that. isn't that history? The idea that there are 747s sitting on... Yeah. Sitting on runways right now people just assemble them out of thought you know yeah yeah that's true why do we hate ourselves I'm like, you know why do we mm. why do we love the narrative the gothic narrative of we have we, we are prometheus we shouldn't have done this we shouldn't have touched the fire we shouldn't because it's pre-programmed isn't it mm -hmm. but and more why? more but so from though, a societal you know, level why it's more of a why it, is, is that the sexier narrative is why is that you know because maybe it's true and and then and then uh, yeah and yeah. then you know? <laughs> and then um maybe it is and then yeah can we use it yeah as magicians can we use that you know i write stories that might turn you on that way you'd, you'd you know well we, we, talk wouldn't, about, we wouldn't be sat here for a yeah, start but we can't all be everything you know we're just doing a little bit yeah. And that'll make somebody break into, you know, if my animal man makes somebody save a little rabbit, <laughs> cool. But that's not, I, I'm not responsible. I'm just part of the network that says. Do you not think, though? Do you not think you're responsible? No, because I'm part of a social body. It's like Brave New World. I'm, I'm just a, a cell who does this. An appendage. Yeah. No, it's not. A, I'm a cell. And I'll die like a cell in a body, but I do this. And when I'm gone, someone else will do this just like me. Do you think it would be just like you, though? Yeah, but just for the times. Yeah. For, uh, but absolutely. All the stuff we love, all those... Yeah, they remember that. They remember those movies or those play for today, you know? Yeah. They'll just be us for that time. Yeah, I guess so. Like cells, like this fall off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode number 33 of Someone Who Isn't Me. Thank you to Grant for doing it, especially as it was the day before your birthday. Thank you to Kristen for being so generous and helpful with everything because I have punished her a bunch on email and she's been super cool the whole time. Thank you to Julie for actually introducing us all in the first place. If you want to find out all things Grant, you can go to his website, which is grantmorrison.com or on his Insta, which is grant.morrison. I can also be found on IG at Daniel P. Carter. You can leave a nice review of the pod on iTunes really easily and it would be nice and be doing something good. Um, and if grants kind of wet your whistle, remember you can check out previous episodes of the podcast with people such as Poppy, as Grant and I discussed during this one, um, Jazz Coleman, Laura Jane Grace, Marilyn Manson, Alan Moore, etc., etc., etc. Uh, prints can be found on the Death Wish web store. I'm kind of tempted to make prints of this portrait from this episode because I'm pretty stoked how it came out, actually. Uh, let me know on IG if you'd be interested. And I think that's about it. I am out. Peace. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.